Life is complicated. There is the law and there is reality. Welcome to Law and Reality, sponsored by Thav Gross. Now, here's your host, Ken Gross. Welcome to this segment of Law and Reality. Today's topic is the truth when it comes to solving tax problems. So, of course, we've got with us our tax specialist, Jenny Lingle. Hi, Ken. Good to be here to talk about my favorite topic. Brian. Ken, a pleasure. I have a question. Go for it. Can you really handle the truth? You can't handle the truth. I can handle the truth. That is my favorite movie of all time. Favorite movie of all time. But let's talk about the truth and the IRS. I don't know. Are they? Are they? Do, they, do those two words go together, Jenny? Well, the truth be, and the IRS. Even before we get to the IRS, I want to share with you an article in Investopedia.com. Gosh, you are just the most exciting reader. <laughs> June of this year, the truth about IRS tax settlement firms. If you have any thoughts that you want to understand what those national tax settlement firms are about, I just Google Investopedia tax settlement firms and you'll find this article. It does a great job. I'm going to give you a quick highlight of what they're talking about. First of all, they're saying the tax settlement firms mirror in many respects the debt settlement firms which we've talked about, we do debt resolution, we don't do debt settlement. I haven't had one good word to say about debt settlement, and that's because those companies, just like the tax settlement companies, are out to just get your money. The firms that do tax settlement all profess to have this litany of tax expertise, lawyers, former IRS revenue agents, and everything else, but when you get down to the brass tacks of it, Generally speaking, you don't have very many people coming to bat for you other than low-paid clerks. It's all on an automated type of a system. And what they're always trying to do is they're always trying to lead you to believe that they can settle your tax debt for pennies on the dollar, that you're going to qualify for the offer and compromise program with the IRS, and the person that you're talking to on the phone when you call that national number is a salesperson. His job is to get your credit card number, to try and get anywhere from $3,000 to $7,500 from you in fees, and promise you whatever you want to hear. Jenny, how does it work? Not very well. (laughs) The bottom line is you were absolutely right when you said that the individual on the phone is a salesperson. The problem is, is that salesperson, a lot of people think when they talk to that salesperson at the national firm, that they're then going to move their case to this fantastic attorney or to this ex-IRS agent. The reality is that salesperson is also the same person who's probably going to throw a bunch of numbers on a form, submit it, and 10 months later, uh, when it's rejected or it's accepted at an amount that's way too high that you would ever be able to pay, they're long gone and are no longer taking your calls. And oh, guess what? If you want us to try and do something else, it's more money. So let, let me explain what's going on. There is a program called the Fresh Start Program with the IRS that has been around for a long time, and it actually got better in 2012 from the standpoint of the parameters that allows you to settle tax debt for small amounts. But it's always based upon the amount of assets that you have and what your income is. If you're in a situation where you have very few assets and your income is low enough that your income less your allowable national standard expenses is zero or a small dollar amount, 
then you are eligible for the program and we can take advantage of the offer and compromise program to typically settle the debt at a small amount of money. However, if you've got $100,000 in an IRA or in a 401k or $150,000 of equity in your home, the program will not work for you. Well, I think the important thing when you look at the offer and compromise program is that you realize that when you're speaking with someone, the program is actually a math formula. It's very similar to preparing a tax return. There is a right number. And for most people, during my free consultation within 15 minutes to a half hour for an individual, we can figure out whether or not you qualify for an offer and compromise and exactly how much that offer is going to be. And if you do qualify, then it makes sense to pursue it. Absolutely. But here's here's the con. Come on, I thought everybody settles for like like a hundred dollars on my ninety three thousand. And I do that all of the time. And I want to go back and say, you know, the first thing that we look at for an offer, and it's not that I look at, and the IRS isn't going to miss it, is they look at your four hundred one k IRAs, stocks, bonds, investments, life insurance with a cash value, any equity in your home above twenty percent, equity in a vehicle above three thousand four hundred fifty. There are all these things that I ask a person the second they sit down and want to think about even retaining me for an offer. All right. So here's the con. What these national firms do is they lead you, they don't even ask you the questions to really find out what assets that you have because they don't even want to know. What they're doing is they want to get your money and then they want to put you in and submit the offer and compromise to the IRS because it takes them how long before they evaluate it and reject it or accept it. Right now, typically, it takes a minimum of six months from when you file your offer and compromise before it even gets assigned. And from there, I'd say the full process of rejection is probably 10 to 12 months. Okay. So you go and you sign up for this program. They make you feel good. You give them the money and they're telling you in a year where you're going to get back and you're going to be out from under the debt and you feel great for all these months going forward. And then a year comes and they say, oh, I got bad news for you. The IRS rejected your offer because you've got an IRA and you've got a 401k and you have too much equity in your house. Actually, it's worse than that, Ken. They don't call you and tell you that. You get the letter in the mail and then you start trying to call um, the national company that you've used. And then I find most people will say, well, they stopped returning my calls or they just said, oh, you got you know a bad deal here. You know, Pay me X amount more and we'll file something else. You've been had when that situation occurs. The point is this. And you if, don't have to be had. No. You you can you can get the right advice and and if you qualify for an offer, it's it's gonna be the right move unless there's a better choice. So but, Jenny, so let's how is what's the right way to do it? The client comes into your office, they're interested, they owe seventy thousand dollars in taxes. Okay. And they're interested in getting rid of the tax debt and making the best deal that they can. What's the smart? What's the right way to approach well, the situation? You know, if they if they qualify or don't qualify, what do you do? So the first thing that we look at is what years they owe the taxes for. Are they income taxes? Are they payroll taxes? What are your assets? What's your income? What are your expenses? Uh, do you have unpaid medical bills? Do you have unpaid credit card debt? I kind of take a look at the whole picture, and then I start 
working through our toolboxes doesn't offer and compromise work for you. If it does, then fantastic, we might go that route, but then we might say, wait a minute, an offer and compromise might work for you, but all these taxes could be discharged in a Chapter 7 bankruptcy. And if we look over here, you also have maybe credit card debt or unpaid medical bills or judgments against you. I might say, even though the offer might work for you, would you rather have a more global plan, which might make the most financial sense, and possibly file a Chapter 7 and but get I, rid of I, I didn't all think, of the debt? I didn't think taxes were dischargeable well, in, in fact, bankruptcy. In fact, Everybody so, says that. Well, they're wrong. Everybody's wrong. <laughs> Except the, the reality is is that income tax obligations are dischargeable in a specific circumstance. And it's a simple rule with a few exceptions, but start off with a simple rule. Did your taxes that you're trying to discharge come due at least three years ago? So right now, the taxes that we can, are dischargeable uh, are 2014 which came due April of 2015, and, and now we're three years late. And, and anything before then, that three years has already happened. Next, have you filed your taxes for at least two years? And the last question is, is have you been assessed within the previous eight months by the IRS? If your taxes came due at least three years ago, they've been filed for at least two years, and you haven't been assessed in the previous eight months, the tax obligation, and thus any other outstanding obligations like credit cards, hospital bills, personal loans, will be able to be eliminated in a Chapter 7 bankruptcy. One of the, also, one of the big benefits of this is that there's no look back. See, there's... there's what do you mean look back? Well, if you, if you qualify for an offer and compromise, first of all, they look back three years to see what assets you've dissipated. And they look forward in that once your offer has been approved, you have to stay clean for five years. Well, many people that Wait, I... Well, define well, stay clean. What does stay clean mean, Well, Jenny? besides taking a shower, it also means... <laughs> well, uh, it means filing your tax love, returns okay. timely. It also means having the appropriate withholding, making your estimated tax payments. And when you file that return, um, that you, if you do owe any additional funds, that that tax liability is paid in full. So if you create a problem within the next five years, um, then your offer is defaulted and the original liability is reinstated. So sometimes I have clients, let's say, who are self-employed and their business is up and down. And I look at it and I say, well, you would qualify for an offer, but you would also qualify for a Chapter 7 bankruptcy. Sometimes we discuss before we make a determination on which way they want to go, whether or not they think it's realistic that in the next five years, by April 15th, that every penny that they owe will be paid in. Well, See, the it, difficult... Oh, go ahead, Brian. I was going to say, and sometimes we do both. We'll do a bankruptcy to discharge the taxes and the credit cards and all those other debts that are dischargeable, are leaving us with either a a small like because what did I say isn't dischargeable? Payroll the year taxes. ending sixteen, the year ending seventeen, the year ending eighteen, and payroll, and payroll taxes. taxes. So you might be able to get rid of a big chunk of your debt and then either uh, put yourself into an offer and compromise afterwards after you've gotten rid of as much as you can through Chapter 7 bankruptcy, eliminating the credit cards, eliminating the tax obligations, eliminating the state of Michigan tax obligations because they f follow the same rule. And so does the city of Detroit. That three-year, two-year, 240-day rule applies to all of the taxing authorities. 
once the debts are gone, now what's left? Is it manageable? And can you be on a payment plan? Or do you still qualify for an offer? And does it make sense to do both? Absolutely. And the part that I talked about is is the planning is so important because I look at the big picture before I make a determination of which way you should go. And oftentimes I'll give people three or four different scenarios of ways in which they can resolve uh, their tax debt, their full debt, and the time frame. Sometimes it's as simple as the taxes will become dischargeable. And I say, rather than file an offer right now because you have all these other issues, but maybe we can keep these other creditors at bay, Maybe we just put you in a situation where you're uncollectible with the IRS, which is basically an installment agreement with zero monthly payment. We're just deferring it down the line to get to the point in time where we can put you into a Chapter 7 if that's what we deem and if that's what you want. So what we do is we just look at the full scenario and then I give you all your options. And as someone who is very involved in the math in this, a lot of times I will circle what I think is the best option based on what is the least costly. But at the end, of the day, there's many different ways we can look at this and and resolve your financial problems. It kind of comes back to the same strategy. You want to resolve your tax debt the same way you resolve other debt in the at the least cost and in the most efficient manner. That's how we 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 drill down from a business person's perspective to the smartest solution to getting to solving a problem, which in tax in a tax situation, it's either eliminating the tax debt or controlling the tax debt if we can't eliminate it through an offering compromise or a bankruptcy. But let's play a game. I want to do the let's play the what should I do game, Jenny. Okay, I'm going to throw you out. Here's my problems. I haven't filed my tax returns for several years. What do I do? Move to Guam. I, uh, um, I, I I'm happy here. I'm is... happy here. Until the weather gets bad. Honduras. <laughs> so no? usually what I do at that point is I can do a search and find out when was the last year you filed? Did the IRS file any years for you? And then I can get what they call the wage and income transcripts, which show um, any W-2s, 1099s, mortgage interest, that sort of thing that was reported under your social security number for those years. Will I get in trouble if I file all these returns that are late? No. Typically what, what's going to happen is- It'll as probably get you out of trouble. long as you file- and you file in good faith um, and you clearly are not filing fraudulent returns and you do that before the IRS comes looking for you, you've removed that criminal aspect. So yes, you're going to have the failure to file and the failure to pay penalty, but let's let's look at the most severe case right now is we want to take ourselves out of a situation um, where we're committing a crime. So by filing your returns and doing that before the IRS issues a summons for you to do so, um, you, you've you, you've put yourself then, in a good position. All right. So I, so what about so how do I file the returns if I'm going back five six years and I don't even have the records? Well, that's where I said about the wage and income transcripts. Then if you were self-employed, usually what I advise people to do is do a good faith attempt to recreate the correct tax return as how it should you, have appeared. You help with that process? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So here's the point. You want to get your tax returns filed. Now, let's suppose you file them. If in a year you owed no tax, there is no penalty, just so that you know that. Because if you owe, the penalties and the interest are all based upon the tax debt owed. So if you happen to file for a year, and even though you'd never gotten around to doing the records, you put together the returns and you owed no tax, you'd have no liability. But However, you might lose that refund. I was going to say, if you, if you <laughs> were entitled to a refund and your tax return came due more than three years ago, 
You're you out of luck. So for, for the IRS, it's you only have three years to file your return to get the refund. And for the Michigan Department of Treasury, it's it's four years. So um, I've, I've known some people say, well, I don't need to file each and every year. I can wait three years. It's, it's a misconception. It's based on people knowing that they can still get a refund as long as they file it within three years or four years, depending on the taxing authority. All right, so once, I've, once I, we've done that and I filed and I caught up the back years and now I owe this chunk of money, are they going to come after me and take my house? What happens then? So then we look at how much you owe and then we walk through it. Um, are you an offer and compromise candidate? If not, do we set up an installment agreement? Is it a full pay installment agreement? Is it a partial pay installment agreement? Do we look for uncollectible? Are we looking to put you into a Chapter 7 or a Chapter 13? We start to walk through what all your options are because the worst thing to do is ignore it. And a lot of people ignore it because the IRS sends out a lot of notices. So they start to feel this relief. Well, they sent me a notice before and they didn't do anything. They sent me a notice before. They and people think that they're going to get this final notice that actually says, I'm sending this to your employer tomorrow and it's going to be very clear and easy to read. And they don't send that. The next thing that you get is a wage levy. And that's what we want to try to prevent before it goes out. What's a wage levy? So what a wage levy is, is where the Internal Revenue Service sends a letter to your employer um, with the tax years and the total amount of tax that you owe. And they basically say, send his full paycheck to me. They'll exempt out something like $350 a month, depending on your filing status. But they will then take it and send that money to the IRS. Send the whole paycheck. Different from a garnishment, which is 25% of your net take Like on a credit card. Sometimes you get lucky and your employer gets it wrong and they treat it like a garnishment and take 25%. But the IRS has gotten better these days where they send the table and say how much you can exempt out. So if all of a sudden you get noticed, that was going to actually be my next what should I do uh, question for you. If I get a notice of a wage levy, what do I do to stop it? Well, here, here's here's the little bit of the problem is, do, are, do you finding out before payroll goes in or after? So if you find out before payroll goes in, I've had people come into my office at nine in the morning and we do a whole lot of work and we're able to get that um, released. Um, if it's done after payroll goes in, it's going to depend um, a little bit on your employer as whether they're willing to hold off 48 hours to see if we can get a release or if they're going to say, you know what, payroll goes in on Wednesday, you know, found out on Friday when you got your check and we already sent the funds to the IRS. If that happens, can you get the funds back? Not usually. But um, you can stop it from happening can, we, on the next paycheck? What you want to do is stop it from happening on the next paycheck. And there are some situations, um, hardship situations, where we can actually ask for that money back. But the problem is, even when we do so, it's not instantaneous. I just had one today. I got a call on a claim I made 60, about 60 days ago that they just said those funds were, were sent via check. So you, here's you, the point you, you out can, of wait, You can wait. stop that levy other ways, though, too. I mean, chapter, uh, 13, a chapter 13, a chapter 7, even though even though you may not qualify for a chapter 7 to discharge the obligation, the filing of a chapter Stops 7 it. will stop a levy in its tracks. But so we're not the, likely to use that if you're not going to make it dischargeable because we want to kind of keep that in our right. back pocket. Right. It might make more sense to take the hit on the one paycheck here, and get it released. Here's the big point. If you get notice of a wage levy, you need to immediately get a hold of Jenny to get on top of the situation so that we can try and save the money before it goes into payroll. The faster, the the moment you hear about it, you must immediately take action to protect yourself. If it's on a worst case scenario, you're going to lose that check, but you don't want to lose the next check. You don't. You need to everybody the simplest way to protect yourself. Read your mail. 
open your mail. I know you get a lot of You know of what, Brian? The, the IRS does not make it easy. The reality is if you have a tax problem, you need to get on the phone, call someone who can help you figure out how to resolve it. Because when you're on a collection alternative, they are not going to levy you. That's an installment agreement or you filed an offer or uncollectible. That will prevent the levy from going out yeah, in the first place. But doing some of those things yourself can screw up the ability to do a bankruptcy down the road too, you, got, you don't want to. You don't want to pretend to be your own lawyer. If, no, I mean, I mean, you can make a lot of mistakes with the statute of limitations with the IRS. You can file an offer that screws everything up. You can request a payment plan that really isn't what you should be doing. Um, you you really want to get some advice on, on what your options are. Let me. I want to make one point, and then I want to take a break and do announcements, and I want to do a little simple case study. But here's the point I want to make. It's very easy when you have a tax problem, unfiled returns or a large amount of money owed, to get into the mode of thinking that there's no solution for me, there's nothing I can do, therefore I'm not going to do anything, I'm not going to call anyone. All you do in that situation is create an enormous amount of anxiety, stress, and it prohibits you from getting solving the problem and moving on and improving your life. I can tell you this much. We're, the entire premise of our law firm is based on the concept that there's always a solution for every problem. When a client, I, years ago, I said to Brian, if a client walks in the door and you send them away and say, I can't help them, then you're responsible because you put the bullet in the gun. You cannot, there's always a solution. And trust me, tax problems... And debt problems, there are easy solutions. I'm not a doctor. If someone comes into me with stage four cancer, that's a problem I can't solve. I might be able to recommend a friend for them to see, but I can't solve that problem. But in the domain of tax problems, debt problems, and business problems, everything has a solution. You just need to sort it through categorize it properly, think it through, and come up with the solution. That's the premise of our law firm. It's solving problems. Now, let's take a break. Uh, we'll do announcements, and I want to come back and do a quick little short case study for Al and Betty. I want to remind our listeners to watch the TV version of Law and Reality, 11 o'clock a.m. every Sunday on TV 20. We also have a monthly contest with Lawn Reality. Every single month, we give away a $50 free Visa gift card, a Lawn Reality golf hat, and a copy of my book, Dump Your Debt. You just go to the website, lawnreality.com, pop in your email address on the, on the box that comes up on the home screen, and you're entered into the seminar. You're entered into the uh, contest. We have a seminar coming up Wednesday, September 26, 6 to 7.30 p.m. at our offices in Bingham Farms. It is called September is the Time for My Debt to Fall. We're going to go through all the systems and methods we use to eliminate debt. Solutions using bankruptcy, also debt resolution outside of bankruptcy. Jenny Lingle is going to participate and provide us a short a brief explanation on how to resolve tax problems. Brian and I are going to walk you through ways to eliminate debt. Sign up at thavgross.com or lawandreality.com or call 888-235-HELP. You can also always come into Thavgross for a free consultation. Just call 888-235-HELP or visit the website and check on the appropriate box. Brian for debt problems, estate planning issues, Jenny for uh, tax issues, Jeff Kirshner for workers' comp and disability issues, myself for business issues, Pat Zamasco for elder law issues. 
uh, just go to the website, click the box, or call 888-235-HELP. Also, go on the website, check out our free reports. There's one on saving your home from foreclosure, another one on forming a business and finding loans and grant money in the metropolitan Detroit area, and Pat Samasco's Retiree's Guide to, to Social Security. Okay, now, quick, we've got three, four minutes left. I want to do a quick little uh, case study for you. Al and Betty, they owe taxes for 2011 through 2016 of $100,000. Al now is disabled, so he's injured and he can't work. So their income has gone from $100,000 a year to the $25,000 a year Betty is currently making. They have limited equity in their home. They have $40,000 in their IRA. They have credit card debt. They've got this $100,000 in tax debt. Brian, Jenny, what do they do? So the, typically, Each of you gets two minutes. Okay. Typically, uh, Al and Betty show up in my office first. I would take a look at where they're at, and I would realize 2016 didn't come due until 2017. So if we're doing our three-year calculation, we need to get to April of 2020 before they can discharge those ta- taxes in bankruptcy, assuming that they have filed those returns. So with what they're looking at here, I would say, you know, the IRS is not going to grant an offer on compromise because you have 40000 in your IRA, and I don't necessarily think that's the best way for you to go. So what I would do with Alan Betty is I would discuss putting them in the currently not collectible, which is typically good for 24 to 36 months, which is a monthly payment plan of the IRS with $0 that you pay per month. So basically, it's just a deferment. At that, It's a deferment, but they pay nothing. You pay nothing. So it's a, the IRS codes it as an installment agreement. It qualifies as a collection alternative, but you're paying $0 a month because it's important that you notice that they can levy your wages and Social Security. Then I call Brian down to see if he can solve the problem. What do you so, do, Brian? Well, see, this is an interesting dilemma. We also dilemma. call Jeff Kirshner to I take know. care of the disability. This is an interesting dilemma because we're trying to get to April 16th, 2020. Now, that seems like a long way down the road, but it's really not in the world of legal issues. It's, it's, it's an achievable number. But at the same time, Al is now applying for Social Security Disability. Social Security Disability takes 18 to 24 months to be approved if you're not approved in the first go-round and you're rejected like 90%. And you want to get that money in before you file the bankruptcy? No, you don't want to get that money in before you You file file the the bankruptcy bankruptcy first. See, I can protect all of Al's receivable. His Social Security Disability is going to get on a going forward basis and all of his back Social Security Disability, which can be a year backwards from the, on, like to the, from the onset date. Right. So he could get, Al could have forty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 coming in, and if we can manipulate time... And you need to file the bankruptcy we before file that? We file the bankruptcy before Al gets his Social Security Disability check, but after April 15th, 20, so you got to balance Jenny's issue of getting done beyond the three years and the three year and the two three year two year two hundred forty day rule for twenty sixteen, but you got to file before Jeff gets the money for the social. Now, Security. if you so file it's a combination after- of, of Jenny getting them put into currently not collectible, me achieving the the getting to the April sixteenth twenty twenty, Jeff getting the money and in. Jeff getting the money or- to them. After April 16th, 2020. So it takes coordination by all three of you. Absolutely. And if you do it wrong, you'll get rid of some of your debt because the Social Security, uh, because the taxes, some of them are dischargeable. You will still be stuck with some of the debt. 
because some of the taxes aren't, and then you'll get your Social Security disability, which the IRS will then take. So here's my point. The facts for Alan Betty were very simple to lay out there. And the solution exists there, but it requires coordination between the tax specialist, the bankruptcy specialist, and the disability specialist so that the timing is done perfectly so that it all works out. That can happen when you have an organized team addressing the problem. Think about in medicine. If you could get that coordination between medical specialists, it would be a wonderful wonderful thing, but it's very difficult to happen. At Thav Gross with Law and Reality, that's exactly what we do, and it works out well. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Drive safe. We'll be back next week with Law and Reality. Have a great week.